Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CC Airwaves. My name is Paige Matillo, and I'm here with my co-host, Joel Hansel, and our guest, Don Cochran King. How are you doing today, Don? I'm doing great. Wonderful to be here. So why don't you start off by telling our audience a little bit about yourself? Well, I am an author and I'm also uh, a, what I consider a grief facilitator. I gave myself that title. I do a lot of work in um, grief bereavement with bereavement ministry, um, with uh, my book actually talks about grief and just going through that entire process and being able to find hope and meaning in the end of it. And that's something that people don't necessarily uh, think is possible when they first hear about a loss, but that's that's sort of my mission in life. I like that. So can you tell us a little bit about the journey lessons? Yes, yes. The journey lessons um, is my online community. I started that on Facebook and it actually grew out of my desire to write the book and also some of the things that I do in terms of like women's ministry and just wanting people to be encouraged and then I realized, you know what, that's really, my book is really um, centered in all of that. So that's how people could get in touch with me. The community has been growing. And again, it's really about encouragement, a safe place to talk about things that we're going through in life. I was actually looking at your website a little bit ago, and I saw that you look at life as a journey of wins and lessons. And I really like the way that you described that. I like that you weren't like wins and losses. So I thought that was very mm -hmm. creative. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's kind of looking at uh, what we would consider, and I'm doing air quotes as losses, mm -hmm. um, as the glass being half full. So what can we learn from it? You know, how do we go forward with it? How can we share it with someone else to keep them from going through the same thing or maybe going through it a little bit easier? Mm -hmm. So it's just all about helping people. And how do you celebrate your losses? Well, you know, the initial feeling is not to celebrate. And that's why I'm, I, I love the stages of grief so much because they apply to so many things. It's not just the death of a loss of a loved one. Um, that's what we initially think about. But it also has to do with, you know, when a parent is given the news that their child has um, a severe disability, or if you're given um, some news that you're going to be losing your job or you're losing a home, any kind of loss. And when I say the disability, you know, some people are probably thinking, how is that a loss? It's the loss of maybe some dreams and plans. You know, when, when a family is welcoming a new child into the family, the first thing they think about is, oh my gosh, I want to teach the child to do this. And I wonder if he'll do that or wonder if she'll like this. And you have all these dreams and plans and hopefully goals that you'll help them to, um, to, um, embrace but then all of a lot of that may be lost you know or or may be different and so you lose what you once thought would be your future and a lot of times they go through that grief and I have a a lot of experience in special education as well and I found that using those stages of grief with parents who were sort of in denial or thought maybe differently about their child when we were going through a meeting um I, I sort of help them go through it to say, it's not, a, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't be hopeless, I guess is my point. You shouldn't be hopeless. These stages of grief are, are things that people go through in any type of loss. And that's why I always talk about wins and, and lessons. 
because all of us teach, and I hope I'm, I'm, I hope I'm answering your question. I think I'm going around the question. Did I answer your question? I thought so. I thought you went over it okay. really well. And the fact that you kind of explained how grief does relate to non-death related loss as well. I thought that was a great topic to hit on because sometimes we focus more on the death related losses that we experience, but we forget that grief covers all areas. So in the book, I talk about the stages. However, um, these stages are, I don't want people to feel when they read it. I don't want people to feel like, oh my gosh, I didn't go through these. I didn't go through this particular stage. Is this about to happen to me? Or is this still going to happen? You may not go through all of the stages. You are very, it's very likely that you won't go through the stages, um, in the same order that they're written. There is sort of the, the denial and the shock is usually the first stage because that's how we all relate to it. When we're heard some, when we hear bad news, the first thing we say is no. You know, when the other, the person giving the news is not lying to us, but that's the first thing we say is no, like I don't accept this. And so there's some, some level of denial there, but all of the other stages, they can happen at any time. And when you think that you've gotten past it, they can come up again. And so I say these things not to make anybody feel down, but to make them feel prepared and to say, this is normal and it's okay for me to feel this, but I shouldn't be this way. I shouldn't be stuck in it. It's okay to feel it, feel your feelings, work through them. I feel guilty. Why? Now, what am I going to do about this? I feel angry. Why? Now, what can I do about it? Take some action because grief makes a lot of people feel helpless and, um, and out of control. And we can't control losses. A lot of the losses that happen to us, we don't always have control over them, but we can take control over how we respond to them. So that's my main focus is how do you respond and what new things can you bring into your life to maybe replace some of the traditions you had or, you know, what, what can you do so that life is still hopeful and meaningful to you? So the, okay. uh, the, the book you referenced is uh, Survivor's mm-hmm. Nuggets. Yes, survivors' nuggets walking through the stages of grief to find hope. Okay, yes. and and what is what is this book? Um, it, could you just give a little bit of a description about the book for our listeners? What inspired you to write the book? What listeners sure. could expect when they pick up the book? Sure. So, it's written um, as a series of of true stories. They are stories that I experienced or I either spoke with someone, but most of them are firsthand from me. And what I did was I, uh, there are five main chapters in the book. There are some before and after, but um, the five main chapters in the, in the middle of the book are actually dedicated to the stages of grief, the five stages of grief. And what I did was I found the, the, um, this, the little stories, the true stories that I've written down over the years, and I'll get into that in a second, which I think will really answer your question. And I found, okay, this particular person in this story was going through anger. So when I approached the anger chapter as a stage of grief, I used that person's story to illustrate what that means and what someone actually went through or what some, or something I went through and then how I got through it. Because we don't get over grief, we go through grief. So uh, that, that's what really inspired me, though, was when I was doing all of my bereavement work, when I was in the ministry, and then later on when I, um, the bereavement ministry at my, my own church, um, then later on I became a hospice volunteer. So I would go into the rooms of the hospice patients and I would talk to them and, um, you know, do a lot of listening as well. And then I would meet with families also when I was facilitating the hospice support group. 
So these are families that had already lost a loved one. And from children, we had different groups, you know, according to age. So we, we serviced children as well as um, young adults and then older adults. And it was really interesting because every time I went out with the idea that I was going to help someone, I was going to go and serve someone else. Um, I came home with a story because it touched me in a certain way um, where I felt like they were helping me to grow in another area. They were helping me to maybe be able to illustrate what I've been teaching for years in another way because of their experience. And so I would just journal it. And then I realized that after over like over 15 years, I had journals of stories and I thought, I, this is a book right here. And so I incorporated the stories into the book. Um, and I always give, I always pay homage to Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who was the one who came up with the stages of grief. She wrote it, you know, God rest her soul, but she started all of this and there've been many, many books since then. And um, I just felt like there was, this was a great way to teach it. There are many books on the, on the market about the stages of grief, but I felt like I would personalize this and say, this is how I've gone through it with um, the work that I've done and also the experiences I've had with friends and family. So for our so listeners, what, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So for our listeners who may not be familiar with the stages of grief, what are they? Mm-hmm. So the first stage would is typically, like I said earlier, would typically be shock mm-hmm. and or denial. That would be the first stage. And then the others, it doesn't really matter the, the order. There's um, uh, anger, guilt, bargaining, and acceptance. Okay. And I like to say, and I may, I may write another book about this, but I like to say, um, and I think I mentioned this in the book too, is finding meaning and finding hope. So with me, I, I focused on finding hope and I started reading a lot about this and there are other authors out there that say this also finding meaning. So, and I think that's really tied to finding hope because there have been a lot of deaths where we go, why? This doesn't make any kind of sense. And so in order to just be able to get up in the morning and brush your teeth and go through your day after you've had such a devastating loss, either of a child or a spouse, a sibling, a parent, someone that's really close to you or someone who's really young and it was sudden, you know, those kinds of tragic type deaths, um, we, we, we always ask why. And so I say, if we could find some meaning in it. It doesn't mean that we can say, okay, that was good, that happened, but we can say, this is what I learned through it, or this is something that this person left, which is what the nuggets are. Here's, here is some word of encouragement. Here is a lesson that that person taught one person, but because it's in a book now, I'm hoping more and more people can get that nugget and learn from it as well. So it's finding meaning, finding hope. Um, and then I, I have a strong desire to want to write because the, the survivor's nuggets is primarily about the loss of a loved one. Um, mm-hmm. So it's about the, the loss through death. But what I what I'm looking to do next is to write a book about all kinds of loss and how the stages of grief relate to that. But that's what inspired me from the from day one. Yeah. Will you format the new book in the same way where you use stories from those you have met or own personal stories? I, I would like to, and I'm not sure if I'll um, have it be an anthology uh, where I'll have other people share their stories and become like contributing writers. I, I've always been a fan of um, Chicken Soup for the Soul. So that's one anthology that everybody, <laughs> you too. 
<laughs> and that's an anthology that everybody knows mm -hmm. about. So I think that, you know, that might be a format, but I'm, I'm beginning to, you know, write a few things about losses in other areas um, other than death. Yeah. I think it really helps when people are able to see those experiences and read them from other people because you know that other people are going through it and you kind of see how they were able to work through their grief. So I really exactly. like the way that you, I like the way that you did that. Thank you. Thank you. It's like the whole premise behind support groups. You yeah. Know, some people say, oh, I don't want to. Initially, you have some that shy away from it, or I'm here because my 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 significant other, you know, told me to come with them, or maybe they their child, they've been recommended because the child needs some type of counseling, so they're coming into it. I've had many experiences like that where the child was there because the school counselor and maybe a therapist recommended it, and so the parent or the grandparent is with them, and then they realize later on, you know what, I needed this just as much, if not more, mm -hmm. than the child did. So, yeah, I, I agree with you that hearing other people's stories make you makes you feel a lot less alone and a lot more normal. It's amazing how many people say, I don't know why I'm going through this. I just feel not myself, so I don't feel like this is normal. And it's all of it is normal as long as you're not stuck in one stage to the point where you become immobile and you're not doing those things in life that you should be doing every day. When you find that, it's time to seek some help. And I don't profess to be a counselor, so I always, you know, it, advise people to speak to someone who is either a counselor or a therapist, you know, someone who they can get some serious help from if they find any stage like taking over their life. They're, they, they're so angry that anger is showing up all the time, you know. You don't want to be stuck in any one stage for too long. And too long is is uh, subjective. Too long for you, Paige, or for oh, you, yeah. um, Joel, is to, is total, could be totally different than too long for me. You know, so I tell well, it's, people, it's individual you know for life. everybody. Yeah, it's different for yeah, everyone. We, we, we've, we've talked about that many times on this podcast about how mm -hmm. um, whatever it is you're grieving is very personal and very individualized. And so there's really no Correct. no standard, yeah. no set time frame, et cetera, right. to, to, to work through these different stages. Mm -hmm. exactly. exactly. That's something our bereavement coordinator, Rhonda, says all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's and it's true. And we have to remind people who, um, you know, a lot of people who speak to people who are going through bereavement have not learned these things like maybe the three of us have and others who've been doing the work for a while, you know, and so they, their hearts are in the right place and they have all the right intentions, but they say things they shouldn't. Well, I know exactly how you feel because my mom passed away too, or mm -hmm you know, your brother is in a better place. So, you know, those things are just not what people need to hear. And so. Well, they're, they're the cliches. Yes. Very cliche. And, and very they, cliche. and they don't always have a place. So no. <laughs> that's right. 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 So I, I tell people, if you're not exactly sure what to say, don't go to those cliches. Like you said, Joel, because it's yeah. easy to go to those because they've heard them so many times in life. But if you really don't know what to say, just say, I'm here and be silent. They just need, sometimes they just need to talk or they just need to know that someone is there keeping them company. You know what? I'll sit with you while you watch Jeopardy or whatever it is. Just be there, be there for them and follow their lead. Another thing that we talk about is how important it is to check back in months, years after the loss, because originally after you lose that person, 
everyone surrounding them, everyone supporting them. But as time goes on and people, for lack of better terms, get over the loss, it doesn't mean that that person has gotten over the loss themselves. So it's really important to stay with them. Absolutely. You're, you're so right, Paige. And for other reasons, too, um, we always looked at when I was uh, at the bereavement industry at the church, we always looked at time frames. So we looked at the, the anniversary of the death. We would call the person because they'd say, you know what, I'm so glad you called because I was wondering why all week I've been feeling so out of sorts. And then I realized the anniversary is coming up, you know, and so mm -hmm. those kinds of conversations would happen or their first birthday, the first Mother's Day without your mom, those kinds of things. So we would always make sure we were checking in. We kept dates and we would check in with them. That's so important. Yeah, I agree with you. So do you have any experiences that you can share with us? I know that you said you wrote about them in your book. And is there mm -hmm. one that you can share here with us today? Well, you know, it's really interesting to me because I'm at an age now um, where most of my friends and my relatives of the same generation have lost one, if not both of their parents. I, I can say mm -hmm. that. And I have both my parents. And to me, and I've never lost my spouse or a child. So to me, those are some of the most significant, right? Unless you were raised by a grandmother or an aunt, then that would be maybe more significant than, uh, than if you were raised by your parents. So I, I've not had the significant loss that I talk about so many other people going through. And I say, yet God gave me this mission to help others through it. And I, and I feel like I'm still equipped with it. I mean, Moses was, was told that he needed to go speak and he had a speech impediment. So I feel like even, even if you um, don't think you have the skills, if you've been called, you're gonna have the provision to do it. But I say all that to say that um, one of the significant experiences that I had, and I've got a few that I write about in the book, and I'll say this about my uncle, um, and we called him Ruddy, um, you know, a nickname that stuck ever since he was little. Um, uh, my uncle, he, he was sick, he had cancer. And so we were anticipating the loss, you know? And so I said, okay, well, it's, it's getting closer and closer. We lived on opposite sides of the country. I went to see him two weeks prior and, and I could tell he was really ill. He'd lost a lot of weight. You know what cancer ravishes the body, but he still had that, that quick wit. And, um, and I brought my Bible and I had my, I had my, um, what am I trying to say? My, my communion. I had the communion scripture that I wanted to read to him. And I had my little communion um, receptacle where I was going to give him the, the wine and the wafer and all this. And he, he, he looked at me and he said, are you, are you licensed to do that? <laughs> and I said, you don't have to be licensed. Right? So you don't have to be licensed. And I knew that he and my mom and my, this is my mom's brother. I knew that he and her other siblings had grown up, you know, knowing who God was and they grew up going to church, but it wasn't something that continued on as they got older. And so I wasn't really sure where he was in his, in his walk with God. I just didn't know. I believe that he believed in him, but I just didn't know where he was. And I said, well, I just wanted to take communion with you and we don't have to be licensed. We can, we can do this together and read the scripture and, and pray. And, and that's, and that would be fine. He said, okay. And so I read the scripture and before I could even get to the beginning of the scripture, he, he actually said it by memory. So he already knew. Yeah. He said it from memory. And then 
and my mother and I just looked at each other with our mouths kind of like what Paige just said a yeah. second ago. Our mouths were open. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So he, he and I should have known he was an altar boy and all this stuff. So um, and so as the conversation went on, my mom explained to me that he told her because she was kind of there as, as a helpful caregiver in the home for weeks before he passed away. And he told her, because she started crying. This was, I hate to say her favorite, but one of her favorites, right? Yeah. One of her favorites. Because she she does have another brother she's very, very, very close to. But um, and and he told her, he says, you know, you see the sky? And she said, Yes. And he said, look way, way beyond that. You can't even see it, but just consider all way beyond that. That's where I'm going. And she said, and she starts crying harder, you know. And he said, I'm going on an adventure. So I don't want you to be sad. I'm going on an adventure. And that stuck with me. That stuck with me. He's been gone now eight years, but that stuck with me because shortly after that, I'm going to wrap this up, but shortly after that, I went to see someone in hospice. And when I walked in, I live in Las Vegas, right outside Las Vegas, and it was so hot. It was a, a typical Las Vegas triple digit weather, you know, and, and I I had my hair down and my, I'm sweating. As soon as I walked into this patient's room, I greeted her, but I read the card. We don't, we never know what their um, uh, diagnoses are. We just know that they're in hospice and they give us some information. So it said, this person can talk. They, they no longer have their vision, but they are able to talk with you. They will probably sleep a lot as well. So I walked in not really knowing if she'd be awake and, um, she was, and I, you know, I greeted her, and I was sweeping my hair up in a in a clamp to get it off my neck, and I was about to grab grab a tissue and wipe the sweat off and everything. And she said, "So what's it like outside?" Now she hadn't been outside; she couldn't go outside. She couldn't see out of you know through her window because she lost her vision. And I was about, I said, "Oh, it's so hot." And then I realized what I read on the card, and I said, "But you know what? It's beautiful." I said, there is no way I'm going to complain about what I get to experience when this woman cannot get out of bed and go outside mm -hmm. and she's not allowed to be outdoors. So I told her what I saw because she couldn't see. I said, it's sunny. There's actually birds outside your window and the tree with the leaves are blowing just a little bit. It's not real windy. I said, it's really a pretty day. She said, oh, oh, that's nice. That's really nice. And so we had a conversation and she started using humor about where she was going next. And she she wouldn't say die. And she didn't know, she didn't say heaven. She didn't say anything. She goes, well, you know, I, where I'm going, you know, she would say things like that and she would drop off. Then I, it looked like she was cold. So I said, would you like me to put your blanket around your shoulders and get you warm? You seem like you're, you're cold. And she said, no, 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 it's time for that. I'm gonna be real cold later. And she starts laughing. And I said, well, you know, I guess you will. I said, <laughs> you know, I, I think you're going to go on an adventure. That's what my uncle, that's how he described it. He he was really looking forward to his adventure. And she laughed and she goes, oh, that's what it is. That's the word. I'm going to go on an adventure. And so I, I hope she's loving her adventure right now. But those were just two experiences that I had that I was able to put together and use one to encourage another one. And it was profound for me because that was my uncle and two weeks later he passed away. And so I went back, you know, for the mm -hmm. service. Um, but I was able to use his words that he was using to encourage my mom to encourage someone else. And 
that's what Survivor's Nuggets is all about, is what did those people who survived the, the death of a loved one, what did that person leave them with? What nugget did they leave them with that they can pass on to someone else? And so for me, it was the adventure. That's incredible. And I honestly, I can't wait to read your book because I'm planning on reading it after this. So where can I find it and where can our listeners find it? So it's available on Amazon. Uh, so and just, you know, just search for Survivor's Nuggets. My, my name again is Dawn Cochran King. Um, you could probably put this in your show notes for those who probably I are will. driving. <laughs> I, I always drive. Okay, thank you. I always listen to podcasts when I drive. Um, and then also it's on my website. And my website is thejourneylessons.com, thejourneylessons.com. So if you want to order it through my website, I'll sign it and I'll and mail it to um, to the purchaser, to your listener. That's exciting. <laughs> I might also buy a copy for our bereavement coordinator. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank okay. you so much for joining us today, Dawn. It was a real pleasure having you and learning more about your book. I really enjoyed everything you had to say, and I think it's really going to resonate with our listeners. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. And I do enjoy your web, your podcast, I was say your website, your podcast. And I thank you for the work you're doing also. Thank you. Well, thank you to all our listeners for listening to today's podcast. We will see you next Thursday. Until then, take care, everyone. 